Well, let's talk about the most important thing that happened on Super Bowl Sunday, John. Uh, the ads almost put me to sleep. Whatever happened to the funny, creative, groundbreaking ads? Now, the best ad might have been uh, what's his name wearing a Dunkin' Donuts outfit. Yes. Yeah, even that wasn't even that wasn't that good. Yep. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, back in the day, it was, you know, I remember Doritos ads. I remember um, Bud Light ads for these really high comedy moments. And you're right. We did not see much of that. I, I did. I enjoyed Ben Affleck's Dunkin' Donuts ad. Uh, I thought Matt Damon was great in it. Um, there was one other one where it was like, hey, you have to forget uh, one thing to do this one thing. But again, like, I don't remember the, the name of the company, but I laughed a little bit at it. Other than that, it was a really a much a huge dud for the ads, just like it was a huge dud for the game for the first like three and a half quarters. I will say that the fact that Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid had trouble moving the ball for an entire half, and the fact that the 49ers with their great skill position players had trouble scoring points almost to me heightened the anticipation for the second half because you knew something was going to break and you knew once it got going, it could be really dramatic. So I was almost fascinated by that because Patrick Mahomes scored three points in the first half of a Super Bowl. It, you know, I could not have imagined that. And the 49ers earned it. They were dominating the line of scrimmage. It almost made it more interesting thinking, how is Mahomes going to figure this out? How is he going to yeah. crack this code? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, that part of it was very intriguing and certainly refreshing in the modern era where it's so geared toward offense and shootouts and all those things to see defense really dictating for an entire half or even more. Um, so, so that part was very compelling, but I do think also um, the, the defenses both were, were very good, but there was also just a lot of penalties. There was some missed passes, some mistakes, some fumbles that it felt like it was just a mess of a game for that first half. And I was waiting to see, you know, something, dynamic happen whether it was offensively or defensively and I mean Chase Young was good in the first half and um and and certainly uh McDuffie for the Chiefs was an incredible all game uh as the cornerback but um but yeah I, I was I was just kind of sitting back thinking this can't just be it right we've got to see some action start to take place and we certainly got plenty of that fourth quarter into overtime no doubt. Let's look at the Super Bowl through the purple prism because this is the Viking Update show. This is one of our football shows at TalkNorth.com. I also highly recommend Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Jeff has been fantastic breaking down what he thinks is going to happen in this Vikings offseason and even getting things down to the uh, down to the dollars and cents he thinks are, the Vikings are going to spend on their key players. Check that show out as well. Here we'll talk. Hey, we're going to be talking about Vikings moves, Vikings potential moves, the draft free agency, uh, and we'll look at the Super Bowl now through the uh, the eyes of people who are very interested in what the Vikings are going to do to try to match up with teams like this. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from The Star Tribune. Again, this is TalkNorth.com. Best way to listen to this show or any show you like at TalkNorth.com. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios. Brandon Morton is our producer. We want to thank Aquarius Home Services, Define Destinations, TSR Injury Law, and Twill in the Dining Galleria. I, I wore a lot of Twill stuff the last week or so. I'll tell you about that here in a little bit. So when you look at this as a Vikings observer, was there anything about the Super Bowl that made you say, okay, the Vikings should think about this. They should adapt this. They should improve at this. Well, I do think it, it, it was definitely 
uh, a, a testament to the idea of building on the offensive and defensive lines, right? I mean, um, to see the way that the the 49ers attacked and held down the Chiefs for as long as they did, uh, it was all physicality. It was force. It was it was playing big up front and not giving them any running lanes and then putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And I think um, that was kind of the same for the Chiefs as well. They did a little bit better job maybe in the secondary covering those skill position players who were much better for the Niners than than the Chiefs had. But um, but overall, I do think it does kind of really hone in on the importance of having really good defenses in this day and age. And um, the Vikings took steps in the right direction there, but man, they just, it still feels like they have so much improvement to make on that front that they need real impact players in that front seven, especially, but even they need more of them in the secondary. And I think that, you know, they're still a long ways away from the level of athlete of of overpowering element that both the Chiefs and the Niners have defensively and if you can't put that out there uh then you're going to just get into track meets and have to pray that you get the ball last and I don't think that's a winning recipe and I just I didn't want to bash Quessy for his first draft Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to give it some time see how it played out but man it's gonna be so painful it is so painful for Viking fans to watch uh, Kyle Hamilton and McDuffie play. The Chiefs' cornerback play was exceptional, and McDuffie was spectacular. He is already a great player, and I saw a stat on ESPN this morning. Uh, the Chiefs basically have had the youngest defense. In the, the two youngest defenses to ever win Super Bowls are the Chiefs for the last two years. Uh, they went from being a track meet team with Travis with Tyreek Hill uh, to being a slug it out in the trenches and let Mahomes win it for a late team. It's remarkable how different this team is than the first Chiefs team that won a Super Bowl. Absolutely. And and I did see like, uh, you know, I saw some of the takes too where, um, you know, this was probably the most vulnerable the Chiefs have ever been. It's certainly from an offensive standpoint and a skill position standpoint, and they still won the Super Bowl. So good luck when you give a very good GM um, another crack at the draft and free agency to continue filling those holes because he did get a lot younger and a lot better defensively um, over the last couple of years, kind of retooled that side of the ball. Now he gets to kind of sink his teeth into the offensive side of the ball and go get him, go get Mahomes some help at receiver, probably add another tight end. You know, who knows how long Kelsey has to go. And and so it just does underscore the importance of hitting on draft picks and being really good in that area when you have a quarterback make it a ton of money. Like that's you have to make some hay with your draft. And if you don't, it really does set you back. And unfortunately for Quezzi in that first draft, it really did set them back a lot. I mean, Kyle Hamilton is already one of the best defensive players in the NFL. McDuffie, it you I don't know if I'd put him up there, but he's he's an all pro first team, all pro. Yeah, I think he's back. I think he's so, right there. Yeah. So it's just like, man. And then not only, you know, you miss out on those guys, but you drafted a guy who had it doesn't play at all. And I know he had the injury the first season and it was a significant one, but um, he's 
a, a ways removed from that now and he can't get on the field. And that's just the kind of thing that really does those misses really hurt you. And um, especially on a team that needs this much help. And so when you swing and miss that way, and when you try to do it, you know, outsmart the draft and trade down and accumulate picks, it's always, you know, it's always a good idea in, in theory. Oh yes, we're going to trade down. We're going to get some more picks and we're going to hit on those. And that assumes a, a higher hit rate than he's had so far. And that's the big problem. No doubt about it. Uh, man, so much I want to get to here. Uh, let's, let's first take a break. Then we're going to talk about this coaching cycle. The fact that legendary coaches didn't get hired. Uh, let's talk about Mahomes. Let's talk about the 49ers not knowing the overtime rules. And then we'll give you, we're going to be talking about the draft for a couple of months here. So we won't do a lot of draft stuff, Dave, but we'll, we'll talk about one development that has captured my eye. We do want to let you know we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios, and we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. Scott for Aquarius, wishing you a happy new year and happy. How can we be only halfway through winter? Want some good news? Now is the time to replace your old furnace and AC with a new high efficiency whole home heating and cooling system. Because at Aquarius, you can install it now and not pay a penny until next year. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com and schedule your free estimate today. Financing offers subject to available credit. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Also, want to let you know that um, my wife and I went to the, the theater this weekend, uh, went to Orpheum, then we went out to dinner in downtown Minneapolis afterward. And once again, I found myself wearing all twill stuff. Uh, I've told you about Stenstrom's. Uh, those are the dress shirts I wear when I want to look good. It's, they're beautiful. They're durable. Uh, they resist wrinkling. They just look good on everything. Uh, this is a rare uh, Peter Millar Crown Shop. I believe it's the only uh, crown, Peter Millar Crown Shop in the Upper Midwest. I find myself wearing Peter Millar all the time. Again, comfortable, durable, looks great. They also have a Johnny O Shop. I was at the Masters last year, and a couple people walk up and say, "Where'd you get the Johnny O stuff?" I mean, it's it, and this I think these people from the West Coast. Uh, they have so they have the Peter Millar Crown Shop, they have the Stenstrom Shop, and the Johnny O Shop, all within the Twill uh, store. And it's beautiful stuff. The Johnny O stuff I wear all the time because it looks so good casual. Anyway, twillmn.com is the website. Go check them out at the, the Dining Galleria. Tell them we sent you, and you will, you'll be happy with whatever you get. John, tell us about your Defined Destinations trip. Yeah, super excited for this summer, a Defined Destinations trip to Spain, Madrid and Barcelona, August 22nd through 29th, 2024. So if you go to defineddestinations.com, you can sign up for the Spain trip with John Krasinski. We are going to have an amazing time. They're going to stay in four-star hotels right in the heart of Madrid, right in the heart of Barcelona. We can have some local guided tours to take us to some of the sites, some of the museums, just some of the amazing uh, things in Spain. My first time to Spain, so I can't wait to get there, but also have someone who is local to help us kind of navigate all around both cities. Uh, we're going to take some tapas and sangria food tours. We're going to have some meals together, uh, a royal palace tour. We'll see a flamenco show. There will be so many things to do right at the end of August, right before school starts again for you and your families. Um, get Let's get away. Let's just go have a little fun time. Maybe we'll knock on Ricky Rubio's door, see if he'll hang out. Um, and and so it should be a lot of fun. Again, dis- defineddestinations.com. 
go to the Spain uh, trip with John Krasinski. Sign up. Let's go have some fun and have a great trip. I hope you guys do have a great trip. Also want to let you know, hey, Steve Terry always tells me you can keep the ads short for TSR Injury Law because it's really simple. If you're ever injured, call 612-TSR-TIME and they'll take good care of you. They will not charge you unless they win your case and they win a lot of cases. That's why they're such a great Minnesota success story. 612-TSR-TIME. That's all you need to remember. So one fascinating aspect that came out after the game last night was a lot of 49ers players, even 49ers players we think of as very smart and accomplished guys like Yushek didn't know the overtime rule. We faced a possibility last night that if the 49ers had scored a touchdown on their first drive, they would have celebrated like they had won the Super Bowl. Then they would have had to clear the field so the Chiefs could get the ball. Amazing. Just amazing. And, and I'll say, like, I'm glad because I remember at the start of it, um, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, they put up a graphic and, you know, they showed kind of the new rules. And I'll admit that I needed a refresher on it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. They did need they they did change these rules. And so there are two possessions. And so um, so why are the 49ers taking the ball? <laughs> and and but that that is it, it is their job to understand that. And the funny thing is, too, Jim, though, that I heard uh, Patrick Mahomes after the game said that Miko Hardman caught the touchdown and he wasn't really celebrating. And Mahomes went up to him and said, dude, we just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and he didn't realize that that was like the game winner and clincher. So both sides seem to be a little bit confused about the rules of overtime. And maybe that just goes to show that, hey, um, they're not exactly paying as much attention as you know some of us are. And even if we're a little sleep at the wheel, the, the 49ers were too. But I was surprised that they did take the ball um, given these these new rules and and given the way that it is all set up. And um, and I think that, you know, that may have been a little mistake. It didn't hurt them because they got through everything um, and it got to more of the sudden death uh, equation of things. But uh, yeah, I think I think the entire America got a, a, an education on the new rules uh, in the NFL overtime. But I think the players did as well. But I also thought it was fascinating. I mean, Andy Reid, one of the greatest coaches of all time, Kyle Shanahan, very accomplished, very smart coach, excellent offensive coach. Chiefs players after the game were saying, yep, we had it all planned out. We yes. were, uh, we're going to go for two. We know what the rule is. We're going to try to play to win. We don't want to give them a chance to win it uh, just with a field goal. After that. You know, the Chiefs, like we're all talking through it like they had 18 meetings on it, exactly how they're going to run in overtime. 49ers playing, players were acting like nobody ever talked to them even about the basic function and uh, rules of overtime, and they didn't have any idea at all. And and I can under, I'm not sure I got a clear answer on this one. Uh, if Shanahan took the ball because his defense was exhausted and he felt like he needed to give him a break, I understand that. If he took the ball, thinking that was the right strategic move for his offense, that was a mistake because when you get the ball first, you don't know what you need. Right. So you come up, you, you come up with a fourth and two. You don't know if you really need the touchdown or if a field goal might win it for you. If you are this team that gets a second, you know exactly what you need. If you need a touchdown, you're you're four down territory all the way down the field that opens up your playbook. Yeah, exactly. the The only um line of logic that I can see for taking the ball first is that then you guarantee yourself two of the first three possessions. Yeah. So. You can say, 
okay, um, if we score on the first one and then if it's tied after one, after both teams have one possession, then it's our ball and we get a chance to win the whole thing. But that's 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 flimsy because if you just kick it and you stop them or you hold them to a field goal, then you ha- then you have the chance to win it on the second possession. So yep. um, there's not there's I, I could not figure out exactly why you would take the ball first. Yeah. Other than maybe you're right, Jim, maybe it is. Hey, my defense is gassed. Uh, we've been giving up some chunk yardage and it's Patrick Mahomes. And so um, let's let's just give them a chance to get a little breather. Let's go down and score, try and hold the ball as long as we can, then put a fresh defense out there. That's maybe that's what it was, but it was still bizarre in the moment to see it happen, especially when you hear all the Chiefs afterwards saying, oh, yeah, it was no brainer. We were definitely going to kick it if 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 we won the coin toss. Uh, my dog is obviously very upset by the thought process. You can hear him screaming in the background. He was a big 49ers fan. He had trouble last night. Uh it also reminds me just how massive and complicated the NFL operation is today. You have 85 assistants, you have analysts, you have mm-hmm. all these meetings, you have a large roster, you have a large roster of assistant coaches. And man, I'm not, I don't want to make an excuse for Shannon. It's his job to get this stuff right. But you can almost understand how, even with two weeks of preparation, how something might slip through the cracks. That's it. I mean, but it, the the thing that continues to boggle my mind, Jim, is like that should be really high on the list oh, of, I agree. of, I of agree. things you're talking about. Like this yep. is not one of those arcane situations. Just like, ah, oh, well, it kind of caught us off guard. Who could have seen that coming? It's it should be. Hey, guys, if we get to overtime, are we kicking or are we taking the ball? Like that should be really high up on the list of scenarios that you're going over because it's not a far-fetched scenario. So, uh, but I could see a scenario again, this is just me guessing, but coming off of your point of how many staffers there are and coaches and, you know, um, analytics, you know, uh, leaders of, of the analytics department, and everything that everyone has nowadays, could there have been a little bit of a brain freeze and, um, and too much input coming from too many different people. And, and Shanahan just kind of just like in the moment saying, no, no let's give us the ball. That's possible. Um, but yes, like that one in that case is like, this is one very obvious scenario. We have to be in lockstep with, uh, going into it. And it appears that the 49ers were definitely not in this situation, which is not a good look. Next week, I want to talk about the Vikings' draft plans, all the speculation. In particular, I want to talk about Drake May. Uh, This week, let's talk about the coaching cycle. Bill Belichick, Matt Vrabel, Pete Carroll, and Steve Spagnola did not get head coaching jobs. I'm I'm stunned. Well, yeah, and I don't even know if Spagnola got – did he get an interview even? I don't Um, think he got any interviews, or at least if he did, they weren't serious like – making the finalist kind of interviews. And I'm not, I'm not even sure he's a head coach. Some coordinators right. are just great coordinators, but, yep. but man, wouldn't you want to at least have that conversation? You'd think so. I mean, I, yeah. And I understand like the, he, the giants job didn't go so well. Right. And so um, there's, there's some skepticism, but uh, we've seen many a case where uh, the, the, a guy struggles in his first uh, spot and then, and then is much better in a second, including Bill Belichick. Um, when you see 
what happened with Belichick in particular, it seems like to me, there's a lot of owners who are wary, like the, the, the days of the one voice lording over the whole operation are kind of gone now. Um, the modern era is much more, we're collaborating, this is team, da 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 And whether that's right or wrong, that's just the situation. And I think my read is, is that many owners were kind of like, Bill Belichick's going to come in here and he's going to bully all of us and he's not going to be able, he's not going to listen to us. And, um, and, and, and that's going to be the way that it is going to be this dictatorship. And we don't want that. Uh, but he also wins a lot of games. And so, yeah, when he got passed over, I was really surprised, but I was even more surprised that Mike Vrabel got passed over. Um, because you know, he, was not going to be the guy who wanted to be the GM and the head coach. He's won a lot with teams that were not very talented. And so for him to not get a job um, was really, really surprising. I thought he was going to just rocket to the top of a lot of places and, and, and get a chance again because he won with largely inferior talent a lot of times in Tennessee. And so that one was really surprising. Belichick, I'm still surprised by, but I kind of like can see the, the motivations behind just saying, I don't want to deal with this sour guy and who's just going to come in and Bigfoot everyone around. Um, Vrabel's the one that's like, whew, that's, that's, that's really surprising. And then Spags not even getting an interview was really surprising too. No doubt about it. Hey, you'll be able to hear the John Krasinski show uh, in a couple of days, maybe by tomorrow, uh, after the Lakers and I'm sorry, after the Clippers and the Timberwolves play on Monday night. Right now, it's Monday morning. We're recording the Viking Update show. John John's show on the Timberwolves will be out uh, here in a day or so. Check that out. Also, check out Dawn of Sports, our new show with Dawn Mitchell. She's had tremendous guests. Last week, it was LaTroy Hawkins. We talk a lot of Vikings. We talk a lot about women's sports, um, and we'll be talking uh, with Dawn later today on her show this week. Check that out as well. Any show you like, again, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest. Uh, so I, I like almost everything about Travis Kelsey, but let's not give him a pass. That was ugly yeah. last night. It, it, it was. And um, look, un- I understand heat of the moment. I understand being intense. I understand, you know, losing your cool. You can't physically bump your head coach like that and almost knock him to the ground um, and go like that. Like that's a, that's a huge, huge line that he crossed. And I saw AJ Brown tweeted, like if I did that on the sideline, I'd be out of the league. And I do think that there's, you know, there are some people that can get away with it and there's some people that can't, that's what, what life is. But, um, but yeah, I, I have no problem with a player expressing emotion, even like demanding the ball, you know, all of those things. But to physically confront a coach that way in the Super Bowl, in that moment, um, and create a lot of chaos, I am shocked that it wasn't made a bigger deal of on the broadcast. Uh, it was kind of like, oh, look what happened. And it's Jim Nance. Jim Nance is always going to carry water for the league yeah. and avoid controversy. It was, t- But it was terrible. And um, hey, they ended up winning the game. Kelsey played great in the second half, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, that's the, I, I think that's fine worthy. That's suspension worthy. That's the kind of thing that would get a lot of people just 
totally traded next in, in the off season. So we'll see how they handle that long-term, but in the moment it was, it was not a good look. Yeah. I think they'll just brush it off. They won yeah, the Super Bowl. They care. That's what they care about. Mm-hmm. But still, we shouldn't brush it off. That was ugly. Uh, okay. John has been covering the NBA for a long time. He's also been uh, covering the Vikings for quite a while. I have covered the NFL as a beat writer and a columnist and a feature writer. And I've dabbled around the NBA. Is Patrick Mahomes the closest thing a football player can be to Michael Jordan? Yeah, I I think so. Um, You know, when you look at, especially I think this year really kind of cements it because he did not have the talent around him that would make you think they can win the championship. There were times during the season where you're like, the Chiefs don't have it this year. It's not going to work for them. And yet, in the moment of truth, there is a will, there is a competitiveness, there is a, an abundance, an overflowing of talent and skill that overwhelms every opponent. And I thought that you know, this season, but in particular, like even in these playoffs, this was not the year for him to try and score 50 a night. Uh, this was the year for him to uh, play the chess match, to take his chances when they came and then not miss on them when they did. And for him to be able to adjust his game to fit what his team is able to pull off and then what the opponent is allowing him to do and still win at the very highest level, um, you know, it's it's three and four years now um, or is it three and five years and um and every single season that you enter the the league if you have Patrick Mahomes on your team you're a favorite to win the championship that's that's what Michael Jordan was for the Bulls and so uh you you watch the Netflix documentary you see the drive you see the competitiveness you see a little bit of the asshole in him that comes out from time to time i mean that's that's what Jordan was and so i i think that yeah i think we're there i think we're pretty close to that maybe one more title but uh, just he's he's the overwhelming force of the league right now, and there's no there's no stopping him. It seems like, and so that's very Jordan like. Three Super Bowl MVPs, three Super Bowl wins, where he brought his team back from ten or more down. Uh, I saw a stat. I, I don't have it exactly in my head. I saw a stat somewhere that like his like the last nine drives he's had in fourth quarters and overtimes of playoff games he, or close play. I don't know. There's some stat out there where he, like basically every time he needs to score, he scores um, mm-hmm. in the postseason. It, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And I, we had, again, Don and I had Latroy Hawkins on. Uh, Latroy is uh, Mahomes' grandfather, uh, grand, I'm sorry, uh, godfather. Thank you. Uh, his godfather. And listen, last week, you know, you had all the, the crazy Super Bowl stuff. You had all the Swifty stuff. Uh, you had uh, Mahomes' father, Pat Mahomes, uh, getting his third DUI. And I asked Latroy, you know, how's, how's Patrick doing this week? So I just talked to him. He's fine. He's just you know, same. It's always the same stuff. He just, you know, there is a gap between the very good athlete and the all-time great who actually loves being put in these pressure situations. Well, and and like the remarkable thing to me, Jim, watching that game last night is, there was not one player on the Chiefs offense that scared you besides Patrick Mahomes. Like Kelsey is a very, very good tight end. 
he still makes plays. He's not what he was three or four years ago. He's not like the dominant I'm taking over and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to still get open and make catches and make plays type of a player. I mean, Valdez Scantling, Miko Hardman, they just they 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 deactivated Kadarius Tony for the game. Um, so it's just like who is who is he throwing to? And there were plenty of times, especially in the first half, where it's like these guys can't get open. There's just nothing that's that that he doesn't have anything. So he's taking these sacks. And yet he just never stopped coming after the Niners. And whether it was him running a little bit here and there to keep it going, or then finally just making the short and intermediate throws to just take chunks down the field, down the field, down the field. Um, He just did whatever it took with an absolutely inferior supporting cast compared to what Brock Purdy had. And for him to put up that many yards and, and, and deliver that, emphatically um in the in the moment of truth it was it was remarkable stuff like you just there are there's one person in the league that can do it that way and his name is Patrick Mahomes no doubt next week I want to talk about Drake May some draft possibilities uh what's going to happen first in the Vikings offseason uh this is more of a Super Bowl recap thanks for listening we do appreciate it again check out Jeff Diamond check out Don Mitchell and all the other shows at talknorth.com and we'll talk to you next week